0: Good evening, everyone from my side. It is great to see you all this evening. Please, won't you uh, go to your Bibles in uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4? And uh, that is where we at at the moment. Uh, as you know, we have been going through Uh, This part of uh, the Bible written by someone who we go by the name of Apostle Paul. And we know uh, his life story. Just uh, some context is uh, he was a guy who was radically opposed to the church. In fact, his mission uh, was to eradicate uh, the church, to destroy it. Uh, He had a radical encounter with Jesus. And from that point on went uh, to take the message of Jesus to everyone in the known world at that time. And he basically took the gospel to his generation. Part of that was uh, when he got the time, he would write letters to churches encouraging them. Uh, This is a letter that he wrote. He was in jail, so he had a bit of time. And he was able to pen a letter and encourage the church. And we have been digging deep into it for the last few weeks. And now we're coming towards the end of it. But I want you to think about letter writing for a moment. I wonder how many of you in the past had a pen pal that you actually wrote a letter to. Anyone? Uh, okay, there are a few hands. Oh, two hands. <laughs> All right, there are a few of you guys. Uh, we did a, a, a major move uh f- to another town uh, when I was in early primary school and had to say goodbye to uh, a little friend I had at the time and we then became pen pals. And so every few months I would receive a letter and write back and and he would receive the letter and it was always just an exciting thing. You know, we've lost uh, that in this age of instant digital communication where you can WhatsApp and phone and, and send the email and of course, if you forget something in your WhatsApp message, it takes you a second and you... Add in what you forgot. But put yourself into Paul's shoes here in in physically writing a letter to this church. And now if you had to physically write a letter now, and, and bear in mind, You know, thinking that you might not get to communicate again. This is some of the seriousness of this. He's in prison, he's writing this letter. We don't know uh, how he can communicate again or if he can communicate again. And so switch in your your mind, get to try and think that one through. And what would it be like for you to write a letter uh, to someone significant in your life with the condition that you might not be able to write to them again? And this might be the last few things that you get to say to this person. Maybe a son, maybe a daughter, uh, maybe a spouse. And now, you know, at school we taught introduction, body, conclusion. And, and that last little bit, these are like you're at the end of the page. This is all you've got left. What do you squeeze into those final words? You know, it's not, okay, thank you, Bye. You know, you, this is something significant, someone significant, someone you love. There's, uh, there's relationship there. What do you squeeze into those words? And as we're getting into the final few words of this letter, it's not a winding down. Uh, this is kind of a gearing up. There's kind of more intensity. And, and as we read these words, I want you to read them with that weight, That Paul's in prison, in chains for the gospel, writing his final few thoughts and encouragement to this church. So that's just, that's a bit more of a big deal as we wade into uh, this passage for tonight. And so with that in mind, Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. So please read with me. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What I love about this passage is immediately when you read it, you can see that there is an outward focus to these final instructions. What what the writer Paul is encouraging is that there is a shift in how you behave as a church And as a community, that it's not so much that you only inward focus, which is important, but that there is an outward focused trajectory to the way that you live your life. And this is important because as a church, this is what separates us from being just a country club or some other community-based society is that we are for other people. What's a big deal for us as Riverside is, is those words on that banner, for the world, for the king. That the reason that we exist, and as Jason prayed in his prayers this evening, that we exist to bring glory to God in everything that we do. But that that translates into the way that we care for engage in the world. See, this is a big deal for what Paul has been saying so much in this passage. And in this, in this whole letter, we've dug into some beautiful theology. Uh, we've looked at the way Paul understands the work of Jesus in His fullness, We've looked into the supremacy of Jesus in His victory over all our major enemies, sin, shame, and death. We've dug into how He went to the cross in our place for our sin, died, rose again, ascended. He's at the throne. There is no one who can compare to Jesus. He holds the place of first in every single thing. But if we believe that, If that is true and we believe it to be true, that has to have a change in the way that we live and it's got to shift us into being outward focused and thinking about the world in a very different way. There's a simple equation. Jesus is alive. It means I have a gospel focused life. See, those statements are mutually true and they exist together because if we believe that Jesus is sitting on the throne victorious and coming back again, The fullness of that truth means that my life is different. See, if I believe that Jesus is alive and I'm not focused on the gospel and that the gospel's impacting every aspect of my life, then I obviously don't believe he is alive. You know, then I'm kind of playing lip service to that belief. There's there's something wrong with that. And if I'm just living a life, you know, trying to be a good person and and kind and, and very moralistic without believing Jesus is alive, then... We hear those words when we get to eternity. I'm sorry, but I didn't know you. See, these two things exist together. If I believe everything uh, that's true about Jesus in scripture, that impacts the way I live my life every single day. It's kind of like the resurrection of Jesus gives us uh, a lens over our eyes by which we see the world in a very different way. One of the the, the name of this series is Fully Alive. And everything about Jesus makes us individually fully alive. But corporately as a church, we become a fully alive church. And a fully alive church cares deeply about everyone inside, but it's a very specific way that they act with everyone outside. And this is what this passage is encouraging us to do. And all these final instructions uh, by Paul is to help shift us into being that gospel-focused Community that's so aware of everyone outside and encouraging us in a specific way and how to do that. So briefly for the rest of tonight, we're gonna look at some of those statements and what that means to be a gospel-focused, uh, a uh, fully alive church and how to do that well. So one of the first things he says in verse three is he says, Uh, pray that God may open a door for our message, that we can proclaim uh, the mystery of Christ and to do that clearly. One of the things that Paul does in this letter is he bookends it with prayer. He opens with how he prays for the church. And some of his final instructions is he encourages the church to pray. And if you missed last week, I wanna encourage you. Steve preached the message uh, really equipping us and and reinvigorating us for a life of prayer. It's on the app. You need to download and listen to that. And while, and it's one of the just the mysteries of Jesus is that he uh, provides prayer as such a vehicle Uh, for all of us by which he works but here again he encourages us to pray that God uh, may open doors for his ministry what I love is he is in chains for the gospel and he knows that that's not where he's going to stay and he's encouraging and there's so much faith in that pray that the more doors would open pray that we'd have more opportunities to share our faith pray that we'd uh, find more places to share the gospel And as we've been uh, focusing on prayer, there's uh, on the app, there's a a diagram. If you were here last week, you'll see that kind of that uh, uh, wheel that Steve put up that helped us to pray for an hour. One of the segments was church. And he posed this to us last week. I'm going to pose it to us again. And I I hope that uh, there's some faith stirring in you. And so uh, how are you praying for Riverside? Is there faith welling up in you? And are you praying that we would have more and more opportunities presented to us as a church for the sake of the gospel? Or we exist to be for the world and for the king? We're not content with uh, what is happening here. We want more and more people to hear the gospel so that they can uh, respond to the incredible life and truth and message of Jesus. And so like all of us in this place, we were once enemies of Jesus, but now adopted sons and daughters and call God our Father. That's what we've experienced. We are wanting everyone in our community. And there are thousands and thousands of people on our doorstep who don't believe yet. And so what we're wanting is uh, for you to hear these words and so to pray for us that God would open doors so that more people can hear. Jody, who runs our kids' ministries on staff, she's involved in a number of schools in the south of Joburg. She's in there. She's connecting with uh, teachers. She's running programs with kids. She's preaching the gospel. Uh, Pray for more and more doors like that to be opened. I can't go through every ministry that we're doing, but this is uh, where we are as a church is we just want to be more effective for the gospel. That's what we're supposed to be as a church and pray that that would happen. I want to share an opportunity with you that I have been presented with and I really want you to write this down and I need you to be praying for me because this is quite a daunting task that's been set before me is um, just through various connections and uh, we have been presented with an opportunity to engage with the Sunni Muslim community here in the south of Joburg. And uh, what that looks like is on the 14th of September, I am going to be speaking at an event uh, invited by the Sunni Muslim community to speak on the Christian perspective of heaven and eternal judgment. This is a huge opportunity to present such a vital truth. And one of the major differences between us and Islam is that we know for certainty where we're going when we believe because Jesus took our punishments. And we can stand with certainty knowing uh, how secure our relationship is with Jesus. It's an incredible opportunity. They're gonna pose questions to me at the end of it. So I need to be prepared to answer uh, anything that they, they throw at me. And they have invited 30 Christians and and riversiders to be a part of that event so that they can dialogue uh, with us after the event over a cup of tea and coffee. And so please come and speak to me. Uh, Yaku, everyone just point this. Yaku, stick up your hand. He's the main reason that I'm finding myself in this position. Uh, uh, Yaku is a a good friend, part of my, my life group. I've never met a person who loves Muslims as much as Yaku. And uh, he is so engaged in uh, Muslim evangelism. He's uh, facilitating this event. He's on the ground doing all of the planning and connecting and what an opportunity. Meet him afterwards. He'll get your details and uh, if you wanna be part of that. But what an opportunity. God is opening doors for us to speak to people who do not believe what we believe about the very heart and core of our faith. Some of the events lined up to speak after this is what is truth Uh, What is original sin? Is there such a thing as original sin? And this is a really incredible opportunity, as I say, daunting, uh, but a great opportunity for us to personally engage with people from another faith uh, and who don't believe and who need to believe what we believe. So please come and chat to us after this. We'd love to get you involved and to be present at that event. Paul then goes on to say, he says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. First, I wanna just touch into making the most of every opportunity. And this is, uh, for us, a, a reordering of our thinking. Because... When we think of our lives and our, and it's often quite compartmentalised, some of you are already thinking about work tomorrow morning and you're in your processes and uh, what time do I have to get up? You you know, what classes do I have at varsity? And uh, all of the things that I've got to go through my work week. And uh, we just see church and this is as a once-off event on a Sunday. And so much of our lives has been programmed to be making the most of our economic opportunities. And so we're gonna go out from here and we're gonna shift gears into going, okay, well, I've got to study and I've got to make that my opportunity and I've got to work hard at that and I'm gonna make some money this week. I'm gonna work hard at that. Nothing wrong with that. But making the most of every opportunity is seeing that I am the church today, but I'm also the church tomorrow. And I'm also the church on Tuesday on Wednesday. And when Wednesday is really tough I'm still the church and I'm the church on Thursday and I'm still the church on Friday afternoon traffic and I'm the church on Saturday and then I'm the church again on Sunday. So what I love about this is I think uh, about it as inhaling and exhaling. Today I inhale, I'm with my community I'm with uh, the guys that just love Jesus with me and we're able to get together and just lift up the name of Jesus. We're able to encourage each other and we're able to hear from God's word. And then tomorrow I get to exhale and I get to exhale grace and I get to exhale the love of Jesus and I get to exhale my faith around people who need to hear it. And that's the joy of being church. Again, we, we, we trust in God so much for a building, but that is just, uh, as Steve said, brick and mortar. We're the church that meets in that building and this building. And we're that church six days of the week. And that's that reordering and making the most of every opportunity. Because some of us are hating the fact that we're, we're studying in university. Some of us are hating the space that we're in at our work. We know the value of work and God calls us to honour Him and to strive to be the best at everything that we do for His glory. And, and, and some of the sermons that we've spoken about work, work is an amazing opportunity from God. Jared's going to Nepal. He's going to a, a community where there are no known believers. He's going to take the message of Jesus there. The mistake that we make is we can put somebody like Jared higher up on a pedestal he's just going to Nepal. Tomorrow, you are going to your office. And uh, the joy of what Jesus has done and what he's established is that is our place where we get to be most effective for the kingdom by his design. This is what it means to make the most of every opportunity is to see my primary ministry is where God has me placed right now. What an incredible opportunity. Uh, Making the most of every opportunity is to see that my primary ministry is where God has placed me right now. Schools, universities, office parks, companies. There are people there who do not believe what we believe, have not come to the joy uh, of salvation like we have come to. And so we are the reason, or we are the hope to those places. When Paul says, make the most of every opportunity, I think that's what he's talking about. Tomorrow we get to go on mission. We get to go to places where we're gonna encounter people who do not believe yet what we believe. I wanna share with you an opportunity that we again have been presented with as a church. And this is so exciting. Uh, You hear me talking about these stats from time to time, uh, but on Wednesday, Steve and I had uh, lunch with two guys that work for an organization called uh, IMB, the International Missions Board. And one of them is the Joburg City Leader for IMB. And he was updating us on some of the stats because he studies some of the, Uh, the demographics of Johannesburg. He works primarily in the CBD. So think Newtown, Marshalltown, Bromfontein, uh, Fordsburg, places like that. Within that area, there are 300 languages spoken. Amazing, eh? And uh, there is, um, so the organization that Yaku works for, Open Doors, uh, they work in countries where it is illegal to be a Christian, And so if you find out to be a believer there, you risk uh, being killed for your faith. And they have a top 50 list. So the top 50 most dangerous countries and closed countries for the gospel. Joburg currently has 31 of those countries with population and people groups in the CBD. It makes us the city with the most in the world. There is no city on the planet that has that many uh, people groups from closed countries living here a fully alive church a gospel focused church in the city of joburg is one of the most exciting things that i can think about what these guys are doing is they're starting bible studies in the cbd where these people are with the faith that they're going to see people saved discipled and fired up to go back to those countries as missionaries to plant churches we have access to 31 of the most closed countries on the planet on our doorstep, 20 Ks up the road. Isn't that amazing? So what these guys do is uh, the second Saturday of every month, they go into the CBD, they go into coffee shops, uh, they order some coffee, they hang out and they meet people. They start conversations and they start to talk about their faith. Starting small groups, starting Bible studies and there are a couple meeting uh, around the area and there's an exciting thing happening and we have been invited to be a part of what's happening there. So if you like coffee, that's your first qualification. And uh, I'm sure they also order, or you can order tea and hot chocolate if you're into that kind of thing. But here we go. You just, and of course, training is going to be involved and equipping. It's not gonna be like taking a child and throwing it into the deep end and say, swim. Uh, there will be equipping. But if this excites you, I wanna encourage you to think about this opportunity. As a church, we need to make the most of every opportunity. And for me, that makes Johannesburg uh, the most important city on the planet. And to be Christians and a church with that in mind, I'm I'm just so, so excited. It's something that I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be getting involved with them. And so if you would like to join me, please come and speak to me afterwards. Then Paul writes, he says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. This is important because We've had conversations and I'm sure you've had it where people are very hostile towards Christianity. Uh, People have been hurt by Christians. People have been disappointed by Christians. So the moment you start to talk about Jesus or you wanna try and wade into things with your faith, People can sometimes shut down. I've had this. It's harder for me because I carry the title, you know, pastor. I'm a pastor in a church. So if I'm meeting people, it'll eventually get there. And I know that question's coming. And it's always like a heavy one where I go, you know, I work full-time. At a church, I've got to start changing that to say I work for the world's largest NGO or something like that, and you know, be a little bit creative to get them to lean in more. I was at a bra once, and there were five of us, and I'd met these guys, and we're talking around the fire, and I'm trying to be really winsome because I go in by trying to be as winsome as I can because when I get there, hopefully I've uh, won enough ground that they're not going to be turned away by the fact that they hear that I'm a pastor. And it basically went like this: I'd gone through all of them and, and talking and finding out about them and asking them what they do, and one guy then popped the question. He said, "So." what do you do? And so I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor, I work at a church. And it was kind of like, everything went quiet and all four of them turned and walked away. I was kind of just left there standing at the fire. And, you know, so it's so important that we think uh, as much as possible how we can be winsome and engaging with people. We've often spoken, uh, Steve uses this phrase a lot. Most times Christians are jerks for Jesus. Where we go, uh, we, we're so thrilled because we wanna report back at Life Group and say, hey guys, I stood up and, and at work I told people to stop swearing because I'm a Christian. And then, then we expect a high five when we do that. No, we've gotta look at the life of Jesus and there's a word and an emotion that dominated the life of Jesus. And that was Compassion. So many times we see in, in, in the New Testament, in the gospel around the life of Jesus, how he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw people in their need and he was moved by compassion when he loved and acted uh, toward them. Jesus was not afraid to be uh, eating with tax collectors. Remember the, the Pharisees, when they tried to point fingers at him, called him a drunken and a glutton because he was in uh, places where there were people who are not like him. A phrase that we love is gonna be up on the screen, a quote by Andy Stanley. He coined this. uh, People who are not like Jesus liked Jesus. Uh, People who are not like Jesus liked Jesus because of the way he treated them. I know compassion doesn't seem like this macho, manly, strong word. It's not a very Joburg word. You know, because of just the, the intensity at which we're trying to get to work and get through the week. And, you, you know, the nature and the beast of Johannesburg is gentleness, kindness, compassion is not what we really arm ourselves with when we go out our front door and climb into our car. But that's the way Jesus treated people, that's how he felt when he saw people. He was moved by compassion. If we want to be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders, so recognizing that and, and treating them the way that Jesus treated them, and that's gonna go so much towards our message. Do people like us? You know, people who are not like Jesus liked Jesus, and, and are we being winsome in our office? Are we, are we living out grace? And this is then the last thing he says, let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. How do you have a conversation full with grace? And again, I was thinking about this. What is grace? Grace is uh, what we have, which is our salvation, which is uh, how Jesus, the righteous died for the unrighteous, how Jesus uh, got what he didn't des- or, or got what we deserved. He takes our sin so that we get his righteousness. There's this great exchange that happens when we say we are saved by grace. It's everything that Jesus gets, which we should have got, that punishment And we know the peace of God, his righteousness. Uh, Grace is forgiveness. We turn to Jesus and and we get forgiveness that we do not deserve. We have all our sin just wiped out, justified. It's as though we never sinned, the righteousness of Christ. We're from enemy to adopted son and daughter. That's grace. We did not deserve that. Wading into kind of that corporate space, friends, school, there's tough environments. And so often people are offending us and you, you know, we're trying to make sure we get what we deserve and that they get what they deserve. But grace is so different. Grace is dying to self. Grace grace is really putting forward how much we've been forgiven and, and extending that level of forgiveness, that level of kindness, that level of gentleness. Would your conversation be full of that? You know, that saying, it's not what you say, but how you say it. When it comes to believers, I think it's what you say and how you say it. Because we need to be talking to people about our faith. We need to be talking to people in, in very specific ways that reflect the grace that we have in Jesus. The way that we act towards people needs to reflect the grace that we have received in Jesus. I heard a story once, uh, and uh, it went along the lines like this. Uh, there was a company somebody made a mistake. It was like a, a middle manager made a mistake that cost the, ma- the company a hang of a lot of money. And the big boss called, so going down in the tiers, big boss called this person who made the mistake superior in trying to figure out what was happening. And the person who made the mistake heard the conversation between kind of tier one, tier two, overheard all of this. And, and, and their boss took the fall for them got into a lot of trouble there was a pay cut there was all the stuff that went wrong and in conversation this person went and said like why did you do that and the person went look i don't know what to tell you but jesus jesus took my sin and he paid the price for it and so i just tried to live my life in that same way i know you didn't do that on purpose and it was a mistake that you made but i love jesus and so everything's okay and just hearing how grace and, and making the most of every opportunity and, and, and taking what Jesus has done and, and allowing that to change how we view the world and act towards people can have such a significant impact in our places that we work. So I wanna encourage you with those words. Let's read that passage again to see these, this outward trajectory that Paul is saying. He says, devote yourselves in prayer. Uh, being watchful and thankful and pray too that God may open a door uh, for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ uh, for which I'm in chains. Pray that we may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I wanna pray for us and I want us to start thinking about this. Because as a church, uh, what's so important for us is those words, for the world, for the King. What we're trusting and hoping is that every week when we preach God's Word, when when we talk about the joy of our salvation, when we talk about the completed work of Jesus, uh, what He did in our place for our sins and His uh, victory over everything and His supremacy and His being on the throne, just the joy of what we have, would just go deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts and that would shift into how we live. Our prayer is that always that we would just become more alive to who we are and what we're called to be. That we would see all our places that we're at as opportunities for the gospel. That church doesn't end, the service ends. And that we walk out still as the church. And so as you're thinking, I I, I want you to be, be evaluating yourself. Now, is that true for you? You're going, Jesus is alive, and yes, it's impacting on how I view the world. Maybe you need to do some quiet repenting, saying, Jesus, I've not made the most of every opportunity. I'm not seeing what you've given me and where you've placed me as opportunities for the kingdom. God, I've, I've, I've not been doing that, but I want to. And so we've got an opportunity to do some surrender. We've got an opportunity to do some faith here as, as, as we move into that. And so I'm going to pray for us, and, and, and you can do some kind of posturing of just surrender. You know, we like to do that, just opening up your hands and just receiving uh, from God as we, we do this. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. God, you are so alive. You are fully alive. You rose from the dead. You ascended. We know you're coming back. Jesus, that changed everything. Every single one of us here has come to a place of faith in you. You did that for us. You pursued us. Jesus, I pray that you would sink that deep in our hearts, that we would gain greater clarity as to our role in the world, our role in the south of Joburg. And God, what you're doing here, what you're doing in Riverside, what you're doing in Johannesburg, it's just incredible. God, I'm so thankful for those opportunities. Jesus, bring us to a greater clarity of the gospel. Help us understand the depth of our salvation even more so that that would just shift us into being a more fully alive church. God, for those times that we've missed those opportunities, God, we we repent of that. Jesus, give us faith to walk into the opportunities presented to us tomorrow and through the next week. Be aware of what you are doing all around us. God, I'm so thankful that we get to be part of your mission, the establishing of your kingdom here. But thank you that you've seen fit to use us according to your purpose in your holy name